Welcome back, listeners. My name is Jackson Vickery, and I'm the host and producer of the JV Club podcast. On this episode, I spoke to cinematographer Matthias Erdely about his work on the Iron Claw. Hello. Hi there. How are you? I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm okay. Thank you. So when did you uh, get back to your side of the world? <laughs> so I flew in, arrived in the afternoon of the screening, right? I, I'd been at the screening and then the next day. So basically I spent like 24 hours in Dallas. <laughs> And what did you think of the whole experience? It was amazing. I mean, it was exactly what I was hoping it would be. Like all these, it was so interesting, you know, not to be in New York, not to be in Los Angeles, not to have that crowd that is usually at, at uh, you know, screenings like this. So it was fascinating to see all the fans, you know, the wrestlers arriving. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. No, it was, it was very unique. Um, being from Dallas my entire life, I can't really remember a moment quite like that. Um, at least something that I've been able to be a part of. Um, at that theater especially, um, is so neat, and I mean, just has so much history to it. Um, so it was, it was an amazing night, and it was just, I don't know, it was so. It was just an amazing experience to just watch unfold because I had done New York and I, I saw your other film foe up there. And it, I mean, it's just a completely different audience that you yeah. that you get. Um, it, I mean, it's just it's not as. I don't want to say New York's pretentious because it's not, but it's just I don't know there. it. There's uh, yeah, just... I, it, it's just different. I, I don't know if we can you know, we can categorize any of those, but it's definitely very, very different. And it was, I, I had this feeling that I really want to go to Dallas just just to experience this. And mm. my expectations were like totally met and beyond, you know, like it was just so, and I asked her, like, how many times do you have like premieres like this in here? Like none, like this was the first one ever or whatever. Like I don't know, but it was... It was great. It was truly, truly great to be there. Yeah. And so, I mean, what was what was your reaction to sort of how everything unfolded just in terms of, um, I mean, after the, the credits started rolling and I mean, the the after party, what what was relief? <laughs> it's always <laughs> relief. Like it's, you know, it's out there. So, you know, I don't have to worry about it anymore, although Obviously, I'm not the writer, director, producer, like Sean, you know, obviously. But it, I still feel, you know, I want to make movies that I feel they are mine as well, uh, you know. And and I, I, you know, like it's, it's almost like having your baby and, you know, show it to the world, show it to the relatives and like, oh, yeah, it's a nice baby. Or, or they're like, oh, okay, actually, it's a nice baby. So <laughs> it's... Uh, 
No, it was it was relief. It was relief to see like the. It was so nice to kind of, as the film starts, it's obviously it's a much lighter tone and it's funny and it, I it was so it was so nice to hear all the laughter and all the like how the audience like totally went with with everything, and it was great. And then you know the end it becomes more and more dark and it's becoming you know very. I guess difficult to watch in a way, but it was beautiful to see how you know, even though it's dark, but you can you, you have a sense of how the how the crowd, how the audience is reacting. So it was really nice, and then there was a, like a standing ovation, which was like super beautiful for Sean. So and the and the cast, of course. Mm. And so I mean, how how did you and Sean first connect? Um. Uh. I had films in the Cannes Film Festival. I had a couple of films and Sean and his company, he had a company with two other directors, the producer directors, and they produced each other's films and they had most of their work also um, premiering in Cannes. And they saw, they saw a short film I did that was in main competition and they saw I think they saw some of the feature work I've done as well. So they kept an eye on me while I was keeping an eye on their work. And then suddenly out of the blue, I, I got a I got a uh, inquiry from Sean who was doing a series in, in the UK and he was looking for a DP. And I was like, okay, this is, um, yeah, I'm no, I don't care what it is, I'm, I'm gonna do it. So yeah, I I made that choice and um yeah and and work for me working with Sean is is a you know pure joy like I love this guy so much I love him as a person I I love and respect him as a filmmaker so much and it's you know it's been we did the series together we did the nest together and this is our third collaboration and it's just it's such a great collaboration in terms of filmmaking, you know. I think we're so much in sync. It's it's so I'm not I'm not saying it's easy because it's never easy, but it's we have so many shorthands and I know what he likes and you know, he he can trust me if I say something is tricky or you know, it's it's gonna take too much or too many resources to do or whatever, so he can always you know, we always adjust our approach according to you know what we're facing. So it's 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 truly a joy for me to work with him. Mm. So when did the Iron Claw sort of enter your atmosphere? We were shooting the nest. I don't know if you have seen it. If you have I, not, please I do. I love the nest. I love you the nest. Yes, okay, I'm Nest is so one happy. of my favorite films of 2020 by far. I'm so happy to hear this because it kind of fall into this unlucky trap of COVID and lockdown, and then there was a release, but no, but you know, like it was, it was a mess. But I do think, I, I mean, I consider the Nest one of my best work, and I really, really love that film. Everything about it, I, I actually had to rewatch it the other day and I was like oh wow this is actually <laughs> pretty well made I really love it so yeah so we were shooting the nest in in England and one day Sean turns to me and says 
I know what I'm doing next. Next, and I was like, "What? I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do a wrestling movie." I was like, "Yeah, sure, ha ha ha, very funny." Like this was like, wrestling is not something that was in my life at all. I was like, "I don't even know what this is. This is some ridiculous American thing. I don't even know." And then I actually thought Sean was joking because I didn't know about him that he's like a huge fan. And he was like, no, I'm actually serious. I'm, I'm going to do a, a wrestling movie. He's like, what? A wrestling movie? And then he started to talk about the whole, fun, you know, the, the, the Von Eric story and, and everything. And like, this is actually absolutely fascinating. So, and then I got the script and I, and I read it. I was like, okay, this is un- unbelievable. So then we started to talk. But yeah, I mean, for me, again, wrestling is like, you know, I grew up in, basically communist hungary so i like wrestling was not something that you would actually encounter um ever pretty much mm. and so what was it about that i mean first script that sort of i mean i can sort of understand um just based off of first viewing what viewers might grab but i'm curious just as a as a cinematographer what were some of the things that sort of um, stuck out to you that were were going to be exciting challenges? I never approach a project like this. You know, I, I never think about, oh, what is it for me? Like, I don't, you know, what I'm interested in is, I mean, yeah, if you take a couple of steps backwards, you say, okay, so is this a film worth making? Number one, is this a film worth, me making it you know that's number two like do i want to spend four five six months of my life working on this or should i be with my kids like i'm you know like whatever i look at a project i always look at these questions and then if you there are two things i think about every good story like i think no matter what, who the story is about, if you are honest and if you dig deep enough, every, almost every person, every person's story is fascinating. Like if you, if I would have a conversation with you about your life for three hours and you would tell me the deepest, darkest things that happened to you and your family, that could be an amazing movie. I'm sure of it. And I think that's true for pretty much every, every person on the planet. I think mm. us human beings are super interesting if we actually if we are honest about our own stories. So if you look at you know any docu- any good documentary or any good film, they are digging into that you know darker side of you know not just the surface, but they go deeper. And when a film does that, it doesn't matter what it is about; it's gonna be something of value. I for me at least, and then. Once again, I didn't know anything about resting, but once you look into this world of again, it can be resting or it can be people collecting stamps or it can be whatever, it doesn't matter. Suddenly, the more you know it, the more interesting and exciting it will become. So, and resting is obviously a world that is hugely fascinating. And again, once you scratch the surface, like all these people, all these characters, all the hardships and the work they go through to become who they are and the successes and failures and i'm not just talking about the von Erics, i'm talking about all all, all of the wrestling and, and the people we've met during prep 
you know, all the trainers, Chavo, all the other wrestlers that came in, they were so amazingly supportive and super nice and great guys. It was just fantastic to be around them. And the, the more stories we, you know, heard, the more interesting the whole thing became. So, yeah, it, it was, it just gave me an opportunity to get to know a world, a sliver of the world that I, I didn't know before. And it was a great opportunity for me to, I mean, I don't know this world now, but I know a little bit to make, to, you know, for me that it's like, okay, this is amazing. Mm. I love that. Yeah. And I just get even a smaller sliver of that to take with me. I love that. Um, so what did the the research look like for you um, in in regards to this project? Um, what I usually do is, so before I even started, Sean had a huge amount of research. And then obviously James, our production designer, does a huge huge amount of that work so what i usually do is just to start with whatever they have because there is a reason that they pull these exact you know like these these images or these clips or whatever so i spend a lot of time studying those and then those at the end turned out to be like enough to, to basically answer my questions or, or start all the conversation that needs to be, you know, had. Um, and it was main, you know, our like our main conversations with Sean and James was how to create this, the journey of the sportatorium, actually. Like what is, you know, when it starts, what is the mood of that? And then when it gets bigger, how does it change in terms of color and contrast and and light basically and con you know and 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 con um yeah color contrast and and light um and 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 then when it starts to degrade or you know become less important how that how 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 do we show that so we actually created this doc document where we you know specified each and every scene that takes place in the sportatorium, and I'm talking about the the fights specifically, like what is the look, what is the mood of of these um, of these um, of these fights? You know, is this more colorful than the previous one? Is this more? Is this brighter? Is this you know, like all these things we kind of had to to specify because we were not shooting in chronological order. So I was like, okay, which which fight is it? Oh, okay, this. So we have to do this and that so <laughs> that that was something that um was super useful and then of course like all of the images that we had and we come you know we had this massive document with all, all of the the photos and all of the documents uh, were hugely influential in the wardrobe and in, in, in you know in everything but for me specifically as a cinematographer i don't think i like I wasn't looking for for like inspiration, like oh I need to whatever. No, I mean the spaces, the sets, the wardrobe, the locations were were uh, were so uh, inspiring, and they were also like we didn't have to have any like trickery to emphasize any anything to to make it look real, and that was something that we always always felt was important that to 
to make sure it's it, it's not over stylized it, it's it always felt anchored in reality at least for us so mm. that was goal. so i didn't have to have like i didn't feel i needed to you know do like uh intensive research into whatever all the footage of the X shot like i haven't watched that you know hours and hours and hours of because i felt like that's one thing I mean, I've watched enough to understand how, how those fights were originally, how, 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 how they were shot. But I also knew that that's not what we're going to do. You know, we're not going to mimic necessarily how, how these fights were shot because we were, we were trying to do something that's, uh, that was more about what this, you know, you, you might have a fight, but that fight was about a certain idea like you know um just to give you an example um uh kevin's fight with uh um sorry the names are escaping me right now the last last fight of kevin um what is the name of the the blonde wrestler oh my god i'm, I'm going crazy here um, uh, the big the big fight it's coming to me. Who has the amazing uh, monologue in the in the TV? I'm looking it up right now. I'm oh, no. so sorry. I should know these names. No, no. But I I do know these names. It's just it's just, it's just um, I have like a brain freeze right now. Um, Finding out. I'm crazy. I don't know. Sorry. Um. Anyway, that 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 was a fight that was like a. That was kind of the moment when Kevin beats the curse, right? So we had to portray that, and it wasn't about how to show show the fight. It was like, okay, how do we push this idea across that? Okay, this is this is Kevin's moment of like getting rid of the curse. So, and that that was a totally different conversation. Mm. And something I noticed, and I'm just curious if this was a uh, something that was in the script or if it was just a conscious decision made by um, the the collective as a whole but in each of the deaths of the brothers you don't see their actual death happen mm. and I'm curious if that was written in or if that was something that you guys had consciously made the decision not to it was already in the script this this is this this is how because i don't think that's that's important you know like the, the actual moment of a suicide or whatever that's or the actual death is is i don't think that's um like i, I would say that's the kind of the easy way to create the the drama and then not showing it is kind of having because if you're a survival you're not there when when a suicide happens right but mm. you have to deal with the fact that, that that something happened that you were not part of and you were not there you couldn't stop it and that creates this frustration and i think that's important to feel as an audience member that you 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 know what's going to happen you're but you you can't get there in time you know, with, with Carrie's suicide, like that's like the you have the phone call as the sun is rising, and then he gets into the car, drives to the ranch, 
and he just you know he's just a minute late or whatever you know like that that's 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 a very important feeling of 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 frustration i think that that is generated by these these decisions that you're you're never with the person who's committing the suicide or, mm. or you're never you're not with david in in japan and you just learn it and you know you you there's this scene of of kevin driving towards the ranch and the car is driving and the and in the car the driver is the person who told fritz what happened but there's something you know like looming and 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 kevin has this feeling and we are inside with him in the car and he enters the house and we don't see fritz and as he starts to walk towards camera then we reveal fritz and you know that something's terribly wrong but you still don't know what's wrong and then he sits down and asks him the question and, and that's it and then there's nothing you can do and it's i think the way it was designed by Sean, it's and it, the, the way it was written by Sean, it kind of builds this into in, into the experience. It's like, yeah, I I couldn't couldn't I was I, I I wasn't there. I couldn't have stopped this. I, you know, like that. That I think that's a very important part of the mm. experience. No, I I agree. I, I and I love the way that you just spoke about that. It, I think it provides a a different type of emotion that I don't think you could get from just seeing it directly happen. Um, especially that sort of that that bit of frustration that um that Kevin feels, especially with mm -hmm. Carrie. I think that one was especially frustrating to I mean, just to see him go through hit after hit after hit. It's just um I mean it builds obviously, but yeah. like you know, it's a series of horrible events first is is a, is an illness and then you know and then you have a you know stupid accident and then another accident and this accident leads to a, a you know like i don't I, you know what the film is about, so i don't have to explain but it's 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 yeah it, it it's important that it's building it just becomes more and more unbearable i think mm. and i know we slightly touched on this in terms of the um in terms of the wrestling sequences but i'm just curious what the quote rick unquote, flair rick flair is the name sorry ah, rick flair. <laughs> sorry and like <laughs> sorry i just kept kept my mind was like racing it's like crazy i don't know the name rick flair yeah no sorry. I'll go. um but i'm curious what it was like to sort of choreograph those scenes before really just getting into it or like how much how much preparation needed to go into sort of creating this I mean not just the I mean the physical arena but creating that sort of um the amount of movement that's just happening with the camera in those particular moments um we had weeks of preparations with, with Zach and Chavo doing doing his main fighting sequences. I always felt that they, you know we didn't have enough, but you know like no matter how many, how much time we would have spent, I would have still felt the same. But it was amazing to kind of be there and watch them train and see how the how the choreography is is developing. And just for me to kind of know, okay, so if they're doing that, where would I be? 
but it was uh, basically um you know having Sean Chabo Zach and myself present at these it was you know like Sean had all his notes and then Chavo adjusted the you know the choreography and then Zach had his ideas and it kind of it was a very organic process and then I as I was watching the, the this the whole progression or the yeah the progression of this I was just I always thought about where I would be and I didn't have to kind of practice that we did we did a couple of you know we, obviously we did rounds of like me being in the ring with my phone and just you know shooting that but it wasn't like super specific but I was like okay but what if and I and I once that happened once the choreography was there I was like okay what if for for the camera if I'm doing this beat it would be so much better that instead of you going to that corner what if you change it so it happens closer to camera so I I also had my notes and then. And then, you know, we kind of all agreed on a final choreography and that was that. And then on the day, you know, we had a rehearsal and then I started shooting, you know, like I started shooting. And then most of these were shot inside the ring with me hand-holding the camera. And, you know, by that time, I, I had a good understanding of where everybody would be and also where I needed to go. So you know, we didn't have a lot of time to fine tune these, but I felt confident that I, you know, if you give me a couple of takes, I, I'm sure I can shoot this almost as a one or like almost one take at the beginning to the end. And it would be able to, you know, Sean would be able to use it as a continuous shot, which, you know, obviously we had ang different angles and they were able to cut this, but we were trying, I was trying to, make sure that each and every setup could work on its own if needed mm. yeah no i there's i just keep going back i mean i think it's the opening of the trailer but i mean just the way it shows in the film is just sort of zach going back and forth in that in the ring i know it's i know that's so simple but just the sort of the 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 depth in there is just, it's so interesting to me and just to sort of see it play as stress. I don't know, it's its its so beautiful in terms of just- We came up with that idea on the day. Like we had Zach to to have this sequence that is like him training for the, for the Ric Flair fight. And uh, again, Zach had ideas like what he wanted to do, what were the workouts that he wanted to do and then and then we kind of knew that this would be something that we want to do like him running against the rope and bouncing off of the ropes and then like okay so how how do we shoot that like the simplest most effective way and i was like okay what if we just do this and put the camera here and then just keep the focus on the rope and have him run in and out of focus and every single time he hits the rope that would become sharp but everything else is out of focus so it was like what is amazing again with Sean is that, you know, he he gives you this room to come up with ideas, even if they're bad ideas. I have this uh, I have this trust from him that he allows me to be like, okay, what if, what if, what if, and then most of these are bad, but some of these can be good, and then it's like, okay, he's like, okay, that that's a great, idea. let's do that. Like he, you know, if he if he if he sees something he likes, like he's. He's, he's on it and then we, we you know I, we set it up and we're like okay this is amazing and 
yeah, I, I really love that sequence. Mm. And I wonder if we can just in our final few minutes, I mean, just go into sort of that that final scene and I mean, just sort of walking through that. I mean, obviously it's on the page, but I mean, what what was it like shooting that particular scene? Because there, I mean, there's so much going on there and just so few words. And I, I know that is in a large part in due to um, the performance that um, Zach is giving, but I, I'm just curious um, sort of how that all sort of came to be. That, that we're talking about a scene of, of Zach and the boys and the, yeah. the very, yeah. Um, we we knew that it is going to be an extremely emo emotional moment, so we had to create like a the set needed to be as calm and as as you know free of equipment and free of this you know disruptions as as human possible. Yeah, the great crew they were all you know super professionals. So they understood that this is like this is our one and only chance to have the, make you know do this right. And we knew the shots we're gonna do. You know, we knew that you know we wanna we wanna see Zach from from behind with the kids. We wanna, you know, we wanna establish also this amazing property that they are. You know, finally arrived. You know, finally they could move out of the tiny little apartment and and uh, and have their own you know healthy environment basically. And we also knew that although it's in a way, it's such a cliche to have like this crane up. But we also had shots as, as like the final shot. Like that, that's like that, that that is a setup that has been used so many times to end the movie. Like if you go back to film history, like it has been, it I would say like that's the most commonly used ending of any movies in the last, I don't know, 70 years. But for us, it was it meant more than just just this because we felt that in the movie there are these top shots, you know, when the camera is looking down on on the characters, and we always felt that that's kind of the POV of the curse in a way, you know, if I wanna simplify it. And for us, and for me, I don't know. I mean, we did talk about this a little bit with Sean, but for me, it was always like. For this, the move going up into the sky was felt like, you know, the lifting of the curse in a way. Like if I want to super simplify this idea, like I would, that would be my explanation. But also it, it has this emotional, you know, you look at something like that and you look at this beautiful scenery and, 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 and you see this camera going higher and higher. And then that, that, you know, no matter what, that gives you this sense of relief, I think. And we were, you know, we were aiming for that. Like we were like, okay, this would be a beautiful way to, to end the film. Mm. And yeah, we just we just felt that you know it's okay to, it's okay to, to use such a overused tool because we felt at least that we are using it in a, in a bit you know in a in a bit more sophisticated way. It's also true to the beginning, like. You know the whole beginning of, of of the black and white sequence, which is like when the kids are small. Like <clears throat> I would, you know, if I read some, if I read the script, like oh, this is in the past, so sure we need to separate. I would like the last thing would 
I would do is to 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 shoot it black and white because I was like, again, that's such an obvious choice. That's such a cliche. Like, of course, if it's the past, then it's black and white. And I I made a note on my, you know, whenever I read the script, I always make little notes and I put black and white question mark on the side. And but I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring this up with Sean. And then we started to go through the the, the script, and he was like, What if? I know you're not. I know you're gonna hate this. What I'm gonna say, but what if we're gonna shoot this whole sequence in black and white? And I just turned my pages towards him, and it already said black and white question mark. So <laughs> it was like that's how much we kind of think alike. Like we just really, I think we're so much in sync, and we were like we had this conversation. Yeah, it's a cliche. It's like the obvious choice, but we can totally embrace that. For it. we felt that this film allows us to kind of not constrain ourselves by, you know, like, yeah, of course we are sophisticated filmmakers. We're not gonna do the obvious, but sometimes the obvious is the, is the right choice. And I felt that in this case, it was the right choice. So both the beginning and the end, I feel very strongly about, and I'm very proud that I had a film that ends with a crane up and I was sort of, very proud of the fact that I have a film that starts in the past and it's black and white. Mm. <clears throat> Love that. And then, I mean, final question for you. Um, what do you take away from this particular project? And I mean, just the the particular Iron Claw journey. Oof. <sighs> that filmmaking is very, very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm I'm joking, but it is like it's it's um it's not specific to this movie, but it it was um as you know like every single movie that I got to be involved with is such a such a, an amazing opportunity, and it's uh, you know I consider myself so lucky to be able to do what I love so much, and. And, you know, every single time you, you know, you walk on a set and you're unsure and then you're trying to figure things out and you want to make sure that this is, you know, you're creating the best shots and the best scenes and, the, you know, the camera move and the light and everything is, is, is what it needs to be because you don't have another, you know, like whatever you decide, whatever you are able to achieve on that day, that's it. Like that's going to be. If somebody's gonna watch Iron Claw fifty years from now, they're gonna watch what on that day I was, I was or we were able to achieve. You know, you know, if you're unlucky with the weather, if you don't have the right piece of equipment, if you know, like all or or you're just you're just rushed because that's you know the biggest biggest issue on on any movie is the amount of time you have to create something. Of course, if you would have unlimited time, you could do whatever and then change stuff, but you don't. Like you have a very strict schedule and you have to go, go, go. And um, it it was um, yeah, another lesson in like, okay, this is this is an opportunity. But um to to try to be more specific to to the Iron Cool experience, I mean. I love again for me again working with Sean is is a joy and also like having this this amazing cast was such a joy. Everybody from Maura Tierney to 
to hold to to all the boys. It was just you know fantastic experience to work with with actors. You know Lily, obviously. It's 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 you know you walk on a set, you 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 sit in the corner and just do just to see the rehearsal, and then like okay, this is because. All I know is what I read, right? Like that's in the script. Okay, it's a dialogue and they're going to be talking about this and the scene is about this. Okay, but the ones they start to do this like that suddenly, like suddenly on a, on a totally, totally other level. And that's that's an amazing experience always for me. Thank you for tuning into this episode. This podcast was hosted and produced by yours truly, Jackson Vickery. But a very special thank you to Sterling Gavinsky for the theme music and to Carly Haney for the artwork. We will see you next time.